Welcome to episode 765 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 765 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Uh, John Boo, what I want to say here is uh, I noticed you got grazes on your legs. I have indeed. Took it a little tumble when I was in running in the, uh, the Able Tasman track the other day. Oh, no, what happened? Well, they're not, guys, it's not just little grazes. He's, he's, he's got plenty <laughs> of scabs, let's put it that way. You know when you go, you know when you go running with someone else. Well, not everybody will know this, but they know that you're a better runner than them, yep. and so they really try to lift their game. Yeah. <laughs> so I was running with this fella, Steve. He's a good bloke, and we took it pretty easy out. We started in the dark, actually, running on the Able Tasman track, which was a little bit challenging. Didn't fall over in the dark. Did you have lights? I had a little shitty light, mm. so we, we started about I don't know twenty minutes before sunrise came up. Yep. And we ran to a place called Anchorage. Beautiful place. Beautiful track. Able Tasman. That would have a beautiful run with the sunrise. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then running back, you turn around there and you've got quite a big hill climb. He starts cranking it on the hill climb. He does. Well, I also said, uh, we made the turn 67 minutes. He goes, oh, we need to be a bit quicker than that on the way back. <laughs> he just, he wasn't slamming it, but just going at a reasonable clip. Came around a corner, bit of mud, just completely went flying. <laughs> you know, I don't know how fast you're running, maybe four minute Ks or something like yep. that. It wasn't electric. Uh but yeah, I took a pretty big tumble. Well, no tears, see. though. No tears. I, was, I lived to survive another. It was last time I cried. <sighs> Funerals, things like that. Yeah. 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 Good movie. Okay, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. I'll do, I will do that next part. That's okay. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's, he's got one audio. He threw here. me off with crying. Yeah, well, then, then you've gone patrons okay. instead of. With I'm sponsor. To you by sponsor. Who is? Beam. Beam creates yeah. the highest quality functional supplements for better performance, balance, recovery, and sleep. And you, if you use the I Am Talk discount code, you can get a discount if you're a North American listener. So we'll talk about that later on the show. We've actually got an interview with the Beam, one of the co-founders later on as well. We'll also say a thank you to our patrons. Brendan X Factor Murray. Richard Thorpedo Thorpe. And Matthew the Hustler Sheath. Okay, in this week's show we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got two interviews, John. Yes, first up we've got John Hellmans who has got a new book out which is entertaining, uh, sort of documenting his length of New Zealand mountain bike ride that he did a couple of years ago. Always a good interview, always a good book as well. It's very good. And then we've got another interview? With Kevin Moran, who is uh, one of the co-founders of Beam. And I want to get him on because, A, they're obviously they're a new sponsor for the show, but also uh, he's done Ironman. Sort of came from a professional sports background and then came into Ironman. And uh, yeah. so I just thought I'm always interested to hear from people that have come from quite different professional sports. He's a baseball player and then his uh, becoming a, an Ironman and the different challenges they face. Yeah, it was a really interesting interview, actually. Um, okay, this is, we've got Wango of the Week questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, well, there wasn't any racing on the big note this weekend. We did have two little races we want to talk about. First of all, we had the X-Tri down here in the Kiwi Man Extreme Triathlon. Uh, 
John Swimmates went one, two, three. They did indeed. So I haven't actually caught up with any of them yet. So this race we talked about last week, it was in uh, Taranaki in New Plymouth. Um, I'm not quite sure where they do the swim, but you bike around Mount Taranaki either once or twice. And then it's a bit like a Norseman type race. Uh, the last 11k of the run is straight out the side of a mountain. Difference being with this one is when you get to the finish line at the top, you've got to walk your way back down again, unlike the European ones where you get a gondola down. So I haven't heard how big the field was, but I think it was reasonably small. But my mates went one, two, and three. So Nigel Beardsley uh, ended up in first place. John Murray, I think, was in second. And Mike um, Mike Press was in third. So there's a three guys that I swim with uh, either once or twice a week year round, and they went one, two, three. Uh, just, Gareth yeah. Holt, and what they also did at this event and I think I mentioned this last week as well they ended up doing a double and now we know there's lots of deckers and doubles and triples and all that sort of stuff around the world but I haven't really heard of there being a double Ironman where it's on an epic course normally it's just laps after laps yeah. or it's um, especially or, on a course like this or, ultra, yeah, or Ultraman is you know you're, you're doing it on two consecutive uh, or three consecutive days Two, three consecutive days. Ultraman? Yeah, Ultraman. Yeah, but and it's not it's full it? triathlon in either day. Yeah, and, and it's not probably quite as epic as this. So Gareth Holbrook. Um, and, and a guy called Paul Vorden. <clears throat> did this. So they did one on Friday and then turned around and did it on Saturday. You would have heard from Gareth last year. He came on Epic Camp, um, on the Epic Camp interviews. But pretty solid effort to be able to do that Now we did days. have one female racer in the solo race it was Lynette L- uh, Latani uh, she took out the female race because she was the only competitor I think from what I can understand there were seven solo races on the Saturday only one female racer so there was it was actually Lynette there were three teams doing the one day event and they could sub out any time during any discipline at any point in the race <laughs> cool yeah it's kind of cool way of doing it the race didn't nearly happen as Thor Hessenberg and Blair Cox the organisers couldn't get some of the equipment in time so there were no race numbers no timing chips just our garments. The course was changed this year, so it was a little bit longer, 197 on the bike, which is three ascents in three different areas of Mount Taranaki. Uh, elevation gain was 3,000 metres. This one was in the dark, four laps of uh, Lake Rotomanu. Uh, the run was coastal trails, a loop around the swim lake before heading up the mountain. The elevation gain was 700 metres to the car park. If you made it by 8.30pm, you could climb the top. So pretty cool stuff. It is. So Nigel Beardsley, we took it out in 14 hours and 40. Put that in perspective, Nigel's not at full fitness, but if he was an Ironman, he's probably going to be around the sort of 10-hour mark, something like that. Good swimmer, steady biker, steady runner. Stuff. Okay, other news. Uh, looks like Ironman is going to be having a lot of racing in October nowadays. There is. I've had another race to the uh, calendar. So that gonna... is a change. Because back in the old days, it was Kona, Kona month. Yeah, and, and I think whether or not all these Ironman stay is going to be another thing. You so think it's a catch up? Yeah, so they've added uh, Ironman Waco. Uh, they've already got a 70.3 in Waco, and now they're going to do it on consecutive days. So I think they're having the Ironman, I think, on the Saturday and the 70.3 on the Sunday, which that's a big investment of uh, of just human capital to be yeah. able to close things down and, and have that number of volunteers and directors etc for those two days so good on them so I looked and in, in North America 
in October. There's now four Ironmans plus Kona. Uh, so come September, October, man, there is so many races. It's going to be very difficult for us to keep up, Bevan. So poor us, but good on Ironman for, for I guess, giving people the opportunity to, to race this year because all the races are sold out and anybody who has, wasn't entered for last year is just sitting there going, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? Uh, so good on them on trying to find opportunities and partner up with events that are already happening and just trying to get people in positions where they can race. So good on Ironman. There's lots of desire for it out there, so good on them. John, uh, I, John's ITU update. So one thing, when you walked in and Hellemans was here, you were saying, did you see that run from Beth Potters yesterday? So Beth Potters, I haven't heard of her, but she's had a blistering fast run as a runner. This is absolutely mind-blowing. <clears throat> so Beth Potter, she won Super League uh, the weekend before last. Okay. This, uh, whether it was at the weekend, I'm not quite sure what day this was. But she went and did a 5K race, and it was the same race we reported on last year. Was that uh, where Yee? Yeah, Alex Yee ran a really fast time there, and I think he, he, so set, a new, fast he set a new British record but he got beaten in the race by somebody else who also beat the British That's record. right, I do remember watching a video of it, yeah. And they ran around what looks like a sort of a purpose-built cycle path. So anyhow, she ran 5K, she's set a, a, a new world best time for a 5K road run, which is mind-blowing to think that a triathlete yeah, would do really this. Is. Now what I will say, and I'm not taking anything away from this at all, is it's in athletic circles... You know, when you're talking about 5,000, 10,000 and, and those sort of things, it's all about the track. And, and so there's people... But do, do they never go on the road? They, they run on the road, yeah, but, but like the, the 5,000 metre track time is significantly quicker than what she, she ran. So I, I'm a bit okay, bemused. I'm a bit it. bemused. I think it's 14.04, I think, yeah. the, 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 is the world women's 5,000 metres. So I'm a bit bemused as to why they don't do more 5,000 metres races. But anyway, at the end of the day... She's run the fastest female time for a 5,000 metres race uh, that's ever been recorded, which is absolutely mind-blowing. It's probably not going to go down as a world record because it sounds like they didn't have anti-doping people there. Um, but I just find this absolutely What do you do? What do you do? She did 14.41, I think okay, it was. Okay, well, it's actually not that far off the world record. The world record is 14.06. Yeah, 40 seconds a lot. On the track, but. On the track. But yeah, yeah, totally, compared to the fastest female of all time. Yeah. Like, that's mind-blowing. We've been going on about Hayden Wilde and his exploits uh, from a Kiwi perspective. This just trumps us by just a gigantic margin. So, so tell me about her as an athlete. So you won Super League, so she's obviously a pretty decent athlete. Well, she seems to have stepped up. She's, she ran at the Rio Olympics in 10,000, but she's done a reasonable amount of triathlon since then. I remember watching her at the Commonwealth Games in Gold Coast, whatever year that was. You went to it, didn't you? And she was running the triathlon there, but I think she ran the 5,000 as well, possibly. So she's obviously got running pedigree. And towards the end of last year, she was, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure she was, either, she was either winning races or being on the podium. I remember her name popping up at those end of season races that were sort of happening all over the place and when races were getting slammed in left, right or centre. So certainly uh, a very good triathlete, but has not... Um, acquitted herself at the highest level on the, like the World Triathlon Series races uh, at this stage. However, she seems to have stepped up both her running and her triathlon with that Super League performance. The big thing is she like is not in the uh, Great Britain Olympic team. I'm not sure if the Great Britain Olympic team have selected all their participants at this stage or not, but she wasn't obviously in the first draw and, and rightly shows she didn't need to be. So if she doesn't go... I think there'll be a few people breathing a big sigh of relief because if she carries this form across triathlon, she's 
gigantically so far in front of the, far, the fastest female ever it's not even funny like uh, Gwen Jorgensen's fastest time and this is running now I think it's fif- uh, low 15 15.08 or 15.01 or something like that wow that's massive then isn't it uh, so, now a couple of other things about this she was running in the new ASICS shoes and this does are they meant to be the, new, the, the Nikes well, they'll be they'll be a, a, a yep. same sort of deal as the, the Nikes. So I always yeah, but twenty uh, seconds. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying, just in general, I don't agree with this insertion of plates and shoes. I know maybe I'm a, just a relic, but okay. But if you're going to Kona, if, you, if you're going to go to Kona and do age group, trying to do podium, are you mm. buying them? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. The rules are broken, but you can play by the rules. Yeah. So that is uh, mind blowing. I just can't fathom. And now let's she's just, 29 let's just say the course is going to be accurate because like the guys like Johnny Brownlee and all those they were there when you're going around a course like that this looks legit yep. it's going to be 5,000 metres maybe the conditions were just one of those days where it was perfect still you've got to still, run run you've still got to run, run. 5,000 metres it's not like it's 5,000 metres in one direction downhill with a tailwind you're running laps around a track it's pretty legit well no it's not pretty legit it's very legit very impressive. Was Can't Gwen, wait to see what she does this Was season. Gwen a runner before she came to triathlon? Uh, yes. And and as a triathlete, I know she was a beast runner, but she was pretty complete in the swim and bike? No. No. So, so she basically just get on the run and just splits everyone? Yes. She, she but developed really nicely, but when she started, she was... Now, uh, Beth, where, do you know where her cycling Well, her, her swim now, when you see her swimming in the Super League, pool base, she's, she's great. So... Uh, are we seeing? Are we like she's a little bit? She's kind of mid-age, career-wise. Yeah. Um, are we seeing? You know, two or three years from now, this is our. Oh, I think one, one. Yeah, I think this year she'll be. Uh, she'll be on fire. Wow, fascinating! <laughs> she's not going to be at the Olympics then. Also, of note, Johnny Brownlee. He ran thirteen fifty-two. Who's the okay? Here's the question for you: Who's the best athlete who didn't go to the Olympics? Because I know there's been a few. Like you got Mecca. Yep, Emma, Greg Welsh, Emma Carney, Emma Carney. Go. Yeah, there's been quite a few, especially Australians. Yeah, yeah, like the best athlete who would have won gold or potentially could have won gold. Mm. Because she, if, she, if, if in the next twelve to eighteen months she becomes that rock star, mm. and Great Britain don't win a medal, mm. now there, there's a system. I get it, but they'll make be kicking themselves. In the, you know. In the balls. Let's see what, let's see what <laughs> she does. Not too long away until the next. If you, if you kick yourself races. in the balls, you're pretty impressive, aren't you? Well, I suppose you do the heel trick. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, ITU seems to be copying a bit of Super League stuff, which we like because it means they're innovating in the sport. They're going to add an eliminated format to the New World Triathlon calendar. So what they're going to do in Montreal, they're going to have 60 athletes uh, and two qualifiers on day one. The top 10 from each race will progress through the next day, along with 10 more from a repercharge race. That kind of sucks. If you've, you've got to do a repercharge, you're going to get smoked the next day probably. What's uh, repercharge? So, that's like, so you, have a, you have a race, you have two races, top 10 go through. Oh, okay. And then uh, five of the many, best, then okay. you have another race where the next okay. 10 go so through. They're ruined, they're ruined for the so next you've day. got to do an extra race. Okay. Uh, and then 30 athletes will be classified in the final round, will go in line up and battle it out basically over a Super League format type race so I think this is uh, Are they going to do the, like, the innovative like in Super League they'll have the like the fastest when we get to cut the corner you know like are they going to do those types I of things? I wouldn't think they'd go that far um, but This is a good sign of the influence of Super League but hey eh? because this would have never happened hmm. if Super League didn't come along Yeah so they'll be racing over 300 metre swim 6k bike and 1.5k run and it sounds like they'll uh, do th- two or three races sort of back to back so basically like a Super League yeah it's just I mean, let's be. Super League didn't invent this. It had been invented a long time before. They brought it back to the market. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like they were the inventors. But this is this is the future of the sport. And love or hate Mecca, 
he's, he's, he's doing I good just, stuff for the sport. I just don't get why it's taken this long. Not necessarily to do a Super League format, but just to change things up a bit. Yeah, but it's because of the Olympic format, isn't it? Mm. You know, that's where the money goes. Okay, guys, hot topic of the week. And John looked at it. You've got fencing, but let's not go there. We'll talk about this later. Uh, <laughs> what annoys you most at events? So that was the question that we asked. And obviously you guys are pretty annoyed because we've got yes. lots of answers on this one. You go first, Jumbo. Righty-ho, I'm going to scroll back up the top. We've got some good ones. Richard Slater at Nice 70.3 World Champs. There was not a single public toilet available for the thousands of spectators. It isn't only athletes who have to go. However, Richard, France is basically a public toilet, isn't it? That oh, pe- back it up. No, people just pee everywhere in France oh, because it often isn't public toilets. I remember the first time I did Coast to Coast, and you know, it's a much better organisation nowadays, but when Juddy was running it, he stinted on a few things. And I remember at the transition from um, the bike to the run, you were five portaloos. And, and with mm. transition time, mm. it's just, you know, you've probably got a couple of thousand supporters there. And yeah, the toilet line was ridiculous. Rob Delamore has got athletes getting stroppy at volunteers for whatever reason. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You that, know, these people giving out their time, effort and money. And, and you know what? The, sometimes they make mistakes. Um, if they make a mistake and you go, of course, you know, you can get a little bit frustrated, but they are only human. Peter Colson, people not, people not racing, running on the course or going out for your Sunday run, even when there's a race on. It's not your event. Piss off and run somewhere else. That's true. Agree with that. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Skelhorn's got uh, triathletes. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Dench Dogs Dogs at events full stop I'm a dog guy But there is no way I'm bringing my doggo to an event Stay, Sean um, Do you mind getting in touch With my mother And just relaying this information please? Does she bring the dog to your events Yeah I tell her like time Sean I, I feel your pain <laughs> I can feel a rent coming on Dogs at events Could, Do you rent at the mother My mother yes <laughs> Tell her not to come don't support me. Uh, you can support me, but don't bring your dog. Yeah, well, it's more supporting the kids, but... Uh... Sure, Gillespie's got not, tri- not triathlon. Uh, I was doing my first ever 20-mile uh, marathon at 20-mile point. Someone had shouted out, only six miles to go, you're almost finished. If I had the energy, I would have swung at them. Christine, I'm going to change your name to Lazy McKinley. No chairs to sit on. Spectator Ironman is bloody tire, bloody tiring day. Take your own chair. Yeah, bring your own chair, Chrissy. Don't Come put right. it on the race director. Yeah. Uh, see, Dan Donis got non-spectators walking on the bike course. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Yep. Uh, Brian Kent. Other spectators saying, keep going to athletes that clearly have not ceased going. Okay. Uh, John O'Tucker has got people smoking. The amount of cheering makes up for it, especially in the swim when we're getting low on oxygen. I can't say that's ever been a problem for me, but I imagine if you were walking into someone's smoke in your face. Oh, I missed, I was looking at something. That does my head in as well. Yeah. Almost just ranting about that. Smoking full stop does my head in. At a race, get ready to, yeah. I may not say anything, but I'm thinking it really hard. And I'm just doing a few, okay. saying something very loudly to Belinda. What are that bloody smokes? Uh, Neil Hastings, lack of working class at ITU events I've attended. What do you mean working class people? Yeah, which is totally right. I think it, not just Did ITU Did you see the events. article on stuff about the criticism of week week's kids triathlon? A bit of being too expensive? Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I heard my father-in-law saying something. Yeah, so I there was an article on Stuff Talk Who and Z and uh, Week Best Kids Triathlon is an event in New Zealand. Melina and Erin started it, didn't mm. they? Years ago and, and they passed it on pretty quickly. Um, but, it's, it's an awesome event, big sponsored, and you go there and there's thousands of kids doing these races, well participated, but the, the entry fee is $50, and, and kids in poor areas just can't afford to do it. And uh, they're saying, 
you know, and, and one thing in the article it said that uh, the cost per athlete is actually $100, which I thought that seems a bit unrealistic, doesn't it? You know, John. <laughs> That's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of, they were kind of saying, oh, well, actually, you know, we, we don't really, well, I don't know if they've made money off it, but the sponsorship makes it work because they're kind of saying a it costs so much and b you just plant these kids with all the sponsor t-shirts you know and so yeah and kids from low demographic school just can't do these races either if, if they're not making any money they're doing something they're wrong. doing something wrong or they're telling a few porkies there or maybe but, I, I may have got that wrong but but yeah but but it is a problem isn't it because if you if you that event is cool event mm. and if we want to get more kids into the sport now triathlon is not a cheap sport to get into anyway mm-hmm. But 50 bucks for, you know, you've got two, three kids in a family and you're mm. struggling to pay, put food on the table. Mm. No, know? I know what events cost. No, I don't know what those sort of events cost to run, but I know what traffic management things like cost and I can run basic events. Granted, I'm a one-man band and I don't have to pay salaries to other yeah. people and things like that, but I can be having kids doing races for, you know, 30 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And uh, and that's with no sponsors or anything like that. Yeah. So. Um, Somebody's uh, making a buck there. Mick Simpson's got a lack of good food at a UK triathlon. The only options were burgers, bacon cobs, and ice cream. That was Kona. The minute time we went to Kona, and all they had was Domino's. Yeah, <laughs> that was poor. And it was Domino's and ice cream. That's what there you go. Yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was bizarre they've really picked up their game now it's yeah. significantly better but yeah those first years in Kona uh, last one I'll do um, Belfong when you cheer for people and then they literally give nothing back not even a nod of thanks or a wave spectating is hard work too I'm not much of a responder I've got to admit um, when, when what when, when, when you're racing and if people are cheering you on oh, I, 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 I'm, I kind of I'll acknowledge it yeah yeah I'll give them just like the finger even if, <laughs> yeah, if somebody specifically I know and they're saying go John or something, but if someone's just keep it going and you look at them and you're, oh, no, I'll give her thanks. I'll give her thanks. Well, she doesn't like you. That's what she's saying. Yeah, <laughs> look, <laughs> look, Alexander's got when your mate, uh, when you have your phone out ready to photo your mate running past you and your mate flies past in the other way on the bike and you, you and you basically just miss them. That, that can happen too, can't it? I think most of mine have been covered here. I think smoking's right up there for me, uh, as is dogs on the course. Uh, that's a very high, any dogs full stop at events. Uh, Rob Dallymore's one there I think was really good about um, getting stroppy at volunteers. That really does. I, I, I've got one. Mm-hmm. Impatient people when it comes to crossing road. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got a bike race or a running race and, and, and you know, someone's saying, okay, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. And then people are just it's going to take a minute yeah show some patience There's, you know you'll get across the road mm-hmm. you know and if you're missing your athletes your own fault you're, you're disorganized exactly you know like it's like that, that to me is the only other one the reason i had fencing in the bevan is fencing it's there for a reason when you've got tape you know taped off areas it doesn't give you the right to go oh well there's a fence yeah i'll just go under it or i'll actually i was up in new plymouth the other day and somebody was actually moving a fence so they could it was all hooked off and actually lifted it up unhooked it and moved it aside so they could get through that sort of stuff do you know the person who did it no i don't i gave him the steer though oh did you (laughs) he's not doing that again he would look at those great knees and go i'm not messing with that guy (laughs) yeah Okay, uh, John, we've got a great interview with a legend. Hold on, with this week's one. Oh, this week's one, sorry, this week. What would be your ultimate num- day one epic training challenge? One so, day epic challenge. Yeah, so just got you got 24 hours, what are you going to do? So the th- what got me thinking there was these guys doing this um, this uh, Kiwi Man event and the guys doing the two day one, but if you had one day, 24 hours, what would be your ultimate challenge? And you can do whatever you want in it. Hmm. 
This doesn't have to be like run. doing a particular Ironman or Norseman or anything. It's like doing anything. That can be more than swim bike run? Yeah. Just chuck a thousand burpees in there? Yeah, you can do that. Oh, yeah. Game on. Game on. Okay, we've got an interview. John Hallerman's got a new book coming out, which is called The Biker, Biker's Tale, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. Uh, here he is right now. Righto, team. Uh, we've got a prolific author back in the uh, studios today. John, new Stephen King. Yeah, John, <laughs> John Hallerman's got a new book out, A Biker's Tale. I think the release is actually um, later this week, uh, which is great. So we're going to hear all about it and what John's been up to. So welcome back along, John. Thanks very much, John. Um, first, I know all about this sort of trip. Well, I know the, the, the journey that you took, but tell people what Tour Aotearoa is and uh, what, what it sort of entails in terms of comparing it to an actual event. Well, um, it's it's a length of New Zealand bike ride on a mountain bike. It's um, self-supported, so and and it's called a brevet, and so that means that you have to do the course, a set course, within a certain period of time. In this case, three thousand k's in thirty days, mm. within thirty days, and the fastest guy actually did it in about ten and a half days, believe Jeez. it or not. Um, and I thought, oh, this is a nice thing to do because it won't be a race, 100k a day, that's doable. You know, I'm a roadie, so 100k is not really that much. Um, but I found that when I loaded up my mountain bike and I found some of the um, trails and gravel roads I had to travel on, that actually I ended up riding for between 8 and 10 hours most days. Easy. So it became quite an event. Is it is it like something you need to enter, or do you just kind of sign up? Or like, yeah, because yeah, you've got a, on the cover. I see you've got a metal. So yeah, yeah. It, it's organised by the Kennett brothers, who are actually the the lions of mountain biking and and developing mountain bike trails all throughout New Zealand. So they decided to link up all the mountain bike trails in New Zealand via the back roads, and and make it a length of New Zealand uh, mountain bike tour. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's a set course and, mm. um, it's been going since 2016. Um, you, you can enter it. You can also do it just by yourself and not worry about the brevet. Um, mm. so usually they run it around February and they send you off in waves. So in 2018, when I did it, they had 600 entries oh, wow. and they send us off in groups of about 60 or 80 every few days so it's all spread out and it's spread out pretty quickly and most people would do it with a mate or with a small group uh, i started off with a mate <laughs> who i lost pretty pretty soon <laughs> into that. So I, ended, into it. <laughs> I ended up doing most of it by myself and um i'm not a great navigator as you well know <laughs> yeah. you know I, I i need marshals at every corner and arrows and lights and uh, tell people where i should go so i had great trouble that way and, and i probably have done quite a bit more than the 3000k at the end of the day so so was it, were you mapping each day or did, they, did you have a gps device or how did it actually work well that wasn't we i i took my mate along john hudson who is at a very well organized and good with technology and he was going to do all the navigation he had his gps set up on his bike so i was going to come along okay. for for the ride and just give him a kick up the ass every now and then <laughs> to keep him going and I was going to enjoy it, but I lost him after about three or four days. And he gave me his uh, GPS, okay. and he said, "John, everything is on here. You know, just um, 
just turn it on and you'll be fine. So the next morning I turned it on and they started to speak Italian to me, oh. honestly. <laughs> and so I quickly turned it off. But you also, I had a written course description okay. uh, that they, I had notes which, which I strapped onto my arrow bars so I could read it. And I tried to follow the map on my phone and I wasn't very successful with that because the phone would invariably run out of batteries after a couple of hours. Yeah. So uh, it was a real, the navigation became a major concern all the way down to Bluff. So, so why did you take on this challenge? Well, I don't know. You have to do something with your life. And, and <laughs> I had done the MyZone um, multi-sport mm. event in 2002. Two, I think it was. Um, you wrote which, a book about that as well, didn't yeah, you? I wrote, yeah, I did. It was called The Misery of Staying Upright, yeah, yeah. Uh, which sums it up. So that, And that was a race. So every every day you, you, you had a, a multi-sport event, which lasted anywhere between 8 and 12 hours, consisting of mountain biking, um, road biking, uh, mountain running, and uh, uh, kayaking, river or sea kayaking. So the... the they combined those events all the way the length of New Zealand, and it was a proper race. But you, you would you would reassemble every, every day, and 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 so there was a stage every day, um, and that was very very tough. Um, and I thought I thought I didn't see much then because um, of of the way the event unfolded, and and it was every day was full on racing. So I thought I would love to do this in a leisurely way mm. you know see new zealand biking is my thing anyway well a mountain bike can't be too much different from a road bike and so i had a very romantic idea about it and i was mm. quite happy not to race i've been trying to get away from racing <laughs> repressive racing so and i was 65 it was the 65th day birthday year so i thought what a nice way to celebrate you know being in new zealand and yeah. and doing this tour but it turned out very different <laughs> well, training well, you know you obviously you've got a massive endurance base you, you you've been in the game forever you kind of know your stuff but did you do anything different in the training did you train for it uh what how did you kind of prepare yourself for it well that that so I'd, i i got a proper mountain bike i initially i was going to do it on a cross bike oh, okay, um yeah, yeah. because i thought but that was a efficient. bit quicker being yeah. still being competitive mm-hmm. and so Somebody said to me, no, John, don't do it on a cross bike. And it was very wise advice. So I got a mountain bike um, and then I loaded it up. And with my mate, I said to him, well, we better do a few trial uh, uh, trial weekends away to make sure that we've got all the right gear and stuff like that. So we decided to go for the weekend to Ekaroa, which is about 90K, as you know. And we mm. did it over the back roads via Diamond Harbor and, you know, the gravel mm. roads up there. And it was hell, you know. You, <laughs> your bike is fully loaded, about 30 kilograms of weight. And some of the hills we had to walk, you know. Oh, That's wow. how bad it was. So, And we looked and he sort of said, oh, if, if the tour is going to be like this, it's not going to be very easy. And so that's the type of training we did. But um, And the main thing was getting all the, right, all the gear, you know. You have to mm-hmm. be self-sustained. And, of course, there's shops on the way and things like that. But you have to be well organized and have your bike well in order because if, if you have mechanical issues, you've got a real problem. Self-sustained, but did you stay in motels or did you were in a tent? Like what was the kind of accommodation side of it? Well, we, we, were, we were taking a tent uh, much too... Um, 
but which I carried, and um, I didn't really want to take it. And I said, <laughs> "We'll just crash somewhere." Because if you looked on the map, there was sort of camping grounds and cabins and huts, and there's always were places to stay. But uh, John Hudson didn't want to take any chances. So <laughs> for the first three days, we we had a tent with us, didn't use it. And I, when when he left the tour. Um, and uh, because he had some cardiac event, oh. and it, it turned out all right in in the long term, but he had to pull out. So I quickly gave him the tent when he pulled <laughs> out, and said, "You take that with you." Um, so yeah, we. But um, probably sixty percent of participants did carry a tent and used it every now and then. Okay. Yeah, 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 because you could get caught out at times, and then it would be handy to have a tent. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing you did have to carry, well, I guess, was a laptop because um, I was speaking to one of your mates the other day and he said, oh, this John Hudson said, the light was on on the first night and I heard this tapping away above me in the bunk and bloody Helens is up there on a, on a laptop. And, and uh, so was that your plan to, to document this as you go through, partly so you can remember it, but, but or did you have a plan for the, the book from the outset? Not really. Um, I'd, I'm not, I've, I've sort of got this addiction to my laptop i always carry a laptop with me um just to uh, i don't know why it's just <laughs> stupid i was the only writer who was carrying a laptop everybody tried to carry it as little as possible yeah um, i didn't take shaving gear for example so i grew a beer just to save weight yeah. but i took a laptop <laughs> you know so that's how stupid it was but i i did write i had this urge to write down a few things of what happened during their day i did that during the my zone race mm. and um it's quite a compulsive thing to do and it qu was quite a, a, a liberation to at the end of the day to to sit down and just write your thoughts of the day and mm. your experience of the day because the things you saw and the things you thought and the things you experienced i was anxious i, I want to document that mm. because you lose it and mm. you forget but if you document it, it's there and you can go back to it. And and and, and I actually the writing was the most fun of the whole bloody thing. <laughs> um, and so writing the book was, was uh, you know, I really enjoy writing. It was a lot more fun than actually doing the tour. Well, what's interesting is I wrote, I've written a journal every night for like 20 years. And the fascinating thing is when you go back and read it, it triggers so many other memories, doesn't it? It totally so, does. So it gives you so much yeah. more recall yeah. of the experience, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? So I, I did end up writing a blog. I started up firing off those blocks when I, whenever I was in Wi-Fi range. And and I got some reactions on it and people seemed to enjoy it. Um, so that's how it started off. And then when I came back, I started to work on, on the wording. And that, so gradually this book eventuated. Wow. We're not going to talk through the book too much because we want people to go and, and buy it, obviously. Um, but it's obviously, you'd say it's, it's, it's a collection of the journey, really, isn't it? Yes, it's yeah. it's a day-to-day -day account of the journey, and but in particular also uh, about the contemplations, um, because you be you're endurance athletes yourself, and you, and especially when you do those those longer events, it's it's not like a race where you have to really pay attention to what you do and and what pace you go at um, and keep an eye on the competition. You know, you, your mind your mind wanders, and mm. it's sort of. Um, yeah, there's only so much nice scenery which you can take in and mm. then you think of other things and and political things think random things come up in your mind and and that's what happened to me 
and that passes the time helps passes the time and you solve issues and and you think what's the meaning of life and all those sort mm. of things so those contemplations are in are in the book as well are a big part of the book did any surprise you any of the contemplations you had um yeah the, the, um that they do they, what what ended up happening is that um uh, during one of our training rides we we came up a field full of donkeys and i said to john at the time i said well we will be like donkeys you know carrying a heavy load a, a long way that's what donkeys are good at and so during the event i found myself uh, personifying taking on the personality of a donkey a lot of the time especially when i was in difficulty and i didn't want to go any further I thought well what would a donkey do a donkey would just carry on and in the process I gave other riders I met during the tour I gave them an animal name I looked at them and thought oh yeah that's a horse and, and that's a chicken and, and that's how I wrote the blog actually really? but the, the publisher thought it would be a bit much you know <laughs> so I had to sort of tone that down in the end so and that and, and that helps help to free my mind because of you know the animals it's a lot easier to be um more extensive about thoughts of animals you know how would animals things and and so all that sort of eventuated during the tour um what, what was the camaraderie like because obviously it's a very solo experience and, and your teammate yeah. kind of passed well moved on pretty quickly um how often do you see other athletes and was there, was there much connection or was it kind of just high and by? And like no, it was a bit high and by. It's funny that because um, I thought after I lost John, I thought I should link up with some other people um, just also for safety and also make the, you know, have, have a chat. And, but everybody has their own pace mm. and their own more or less plan of doing this. Um, and so you might ride along with someone for a while and then they want to stop but you don't want to stop um and so i did 80 percent of it on my own oh, i was by myself wow. yeah so it's a real kind of isolation but i also like yeah I'd, 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 i was always as an athlete as well i didn't mind training by myself so i quite liked the solitude but sometimes it, it became a bit much and it was quite lonely how long did it take you it took me 25 days, I think, oh, yeah. Wow. And yeah. so I guess what were some of the biggest challenges? It looked like you had a few weather events along the way, but what were some of your main hurdles you had to overcome? Yeah, well, first of all, losing my navigator. That was a major, <laughs> just before we hit Auckland. Yeah. So I had to navigate through, right from the north to the south of Auckland by myself. And at one stage I came over the same bridge for the third time <laughs> that's how bad it's it was gone. that was a major <laughs> that's so relief to get through auckland and then yeah i, I got reasonably seriously sick uh, halfway to north island and i really should have pulled out um but I'm sure I, your wife was uh, happy about that. it's just one of those things uh, i i now believe there's no free will because i i should have i've wanted to pull out but i couldn't you know and yeah. that's well, sometimes when you do, do endurance events i had it in how wide it experience i thought yeah. I, I have to lie down and just let the ambulance pick me up but i didn't yeah. you don't so there's no free will so that was i had uh, the weather against me I had a lot of rain and there, w there was some remnants of a cyclone hit New Zealand just when I was in the center of the North Island and I got so wet and and the South Island too I had the, the s a subtly 
gale hit me at the Vaughan Hill, you know, in the middle of nowhere, just south of Queenstown, when I was absolutely rooted already. And yeah. this, this, so yeah, I had a few hurdles to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> Way to bluff. Any, any particular highlights in terms of? I know there's in New Zealand we've got amazing scenery, but any sort of things that really stood out for you? Yeah, that, that's a, g- a good question because I. I halfway down the North Island I felt sorry for myself and a guy came past and I just hopped onto his back wheel and he turned out to be a psychologist and I oh. thought oh good I can <laughs> lament to him all my woes well, because I'd just been sick and I'd lost John and I'd, I, 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 I started talking to him but he didn't want anything he didn't <laughs> want to hear this he said oh what were your highlights so far he asked me I thought oh what were my highlights? <laughs> I said, oh, I lost my partner and I had a lot of rain. And he was talking about all the beautiful places he'd been, of course. Yeah. And that's the highlight is, is New Zealand. You know, the scenery yeah. is just awesome. It's magnificent. So between all the misery, there's all those beautiful things. And, and you meet really nice people. Kiwis are generally really nice and, and helpful. Um, but probably some of the scenery is, is just stunning. And, mm. and the way you, you can actually take it in when you're on a, on a bike and you go about 10 k's an hour. And, did you, did and you speak to people who had done the race after as a team? And did they actually find that difficult? Because, you know, when you're under high stress for a long period of time and you're in a, in a group dynamic or, a, a, you know, with other people, that can actually be pretty tough. Yeah, the, the experiences were quite different. And, and Kiwis sort of lapped this sort of thing up. And that's mm. what I've learned, you know, the, the, with my European background, Kiwis look at it differently and they embrace that sort of challenge. I still am a little bit sort of in awe of all this um, and a little bit more reluctant, I suppose. But for example, the scenery is overwhelming, but but the Kiwis have grown up with it. Yeah, okay. So yeah. to them, they, they enjoy it. Mm. Um, so... Um, the, the, but the, the experience some found it really hard and you know people do pull out you know i think from the 600 uh about 80 or so didn't quite make it um and a lot of people pull out also leading into the event so they put their name down but then they realize actually what it entails okay. um and it's a month away so it's mm. it's a long time and some people only do one island um okay. So, and some people take longer than the 30 days. And there, you know, I think that's, that's very wise that when it rains cats and dogs that you have a rest day or something like that. That makes probably more sense. Um, so people sort of experienced it differently. Um, a lot of did it in, you know, in twos or threes, and that's probably better because you can draft for a lot oh, of the of time. Course, yeah. And um, so, and some people had much better weather than others because of the wave where stars were, yeah, of okay. where they were. Um, yeah. Bike? Bike? Did you have any bike problems? I had one flatty, uh, and that was a major issue yeah. because I, um, I, I left my. The only thing I didn't take over from John Hudson was the repair kit oh, for, no. the, for the bike. So. I, I was on the side of the road and I couldn't repair my flatty. I was looking everywhere for the repair and I thought, oh shit, John's still got this oh, in no. his bag. And so finally, another rider came along who had some gear oh, with geez. him and, and I was able to fix it. Um, but no, otherwise, I, I had a, a mountain bike called Spot. The brand was Spot. And, <laughs> and uh, um, people who know about mountain biking, it's, it's uh, the, the, you know, they, they know the brand. The brand is yeah. called Spot. Yeah. Um, 
and it's just an old bike, but it it, it held out really well. It's uh, a steel, it was a steel yeah, mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so advice you'd give other people who want to sort of take this on, you know, knowing what you know now versus what you sort of knew beforehand. What would what advice would you give people? Um, I, I wouldn't say don't do it because. <laughs> I, <laughs> but when you read a book, you probably think oh, I should shouldn't do it. But um, it's funny because I listen to you and I go, yeah, oh, you, you should do it. You should yeah. do it, but. But um, I think you need to be well prepared. Um, read up on on the website. They have a website, Tour Terror website, with lots of tips. Uh, they've got, got little guidebooks. And study the course before you leave, so you know what to expect and plan the days. Um, so I think the planning is everything. If you well, that's half the journey done probably. Um, and then when you get on the way, don't. Um, sweat uh, issues you encounter on the way too much um, so change your plan if 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 you need to you know if you lose the odd deposit on a motel you've booked or whatever don't worry about that mm-hmm. so if, if you're flexible and um, take your time to do the tour um, I'd, it's it's a wonderful experience mm-hmm. what, what is the cost you know what, financially what are you looking at to do well so? the Kenneth brothers are wonderful because there's no entry fee oh, right. uh, you, they ask you to donate to a, a good course yep. um, and so any course really um, and you have to offset your carbon credit okay. yep. uh, mm. on your flights over there and things like that so it's very green um, but obviously being a month away and Accommodation, you know, yeah. the accommodation is is re- you stay in huts and and motor and in uh, cabins and things like that. It's not too bad. The food's expensive because you tend to buy your food on the while you yeah. while you go. You eat a lot. You know, you you, you need eight thousand calories a day. That's a lot of food. So it it does mound up. I didn't keep a tally of it, yeah. um, but you know, you you don't get much change from probably six thousand dollars give or take what a life experience yeah um so guys if you want to get a a copy of the book um you'll be able to go to ubs can um we'll have a we'll have a link on the website but the university bookshop um and we'll find out any do you know the deal internationally yet whether or not they'll ship internationally they will at this stage you can get it from the publisher as well which is upstartpress.co.nz and every decent bookshop in, uh, in New Zealand will carry a copy <laughs> and it, it will be available overseas, I'm sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. just one question, you know, because you, you've been the Uber athlete your whole life and you're kind of saying you're trying to move away from being the Uber athlete. What does movement mean for you now? Um, yeah, well, I'm coming to grips with the ageing yeah. athlete's body. Um so that's been an interesting journey um and i don't really want to give up so i now exercise mainly for health which is actually very boring i shouldn't really say that but um, why why is it boring um i always in my life i needed to set goals i needed to, to work towards something um and i have that less now so working towards that tour was really good because i got fit and i did mountain bike uh, training and I made sure I was, you know, basically fit. So I'm one of those people who do need to have events. So um, and those are now the events I, I go for is adventures probably. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I'd, I I believe in keeping moving, you mm-hmm. know. So um, 
yeah, I, I'm enjoying the still enjoying the journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. We always love your book, it, uh, guys. We'll we'll have some links on the website for the Biker's Tale. And the, is it the official launch? Is that this later this week? Or it's it? next week on next Thursday. Week. But it will be in the bookshops by the eighth, yeah. which is in a couple of days. Yeah. Perfect. And the, and the reason we got John on because I knew I was going to be away for that. Uh, that launch uh awesome thanks so much for your time john it's always thank a pleasure you. to have you on yeah, it's always yeah. great, thank you very much jumbo your thoughts it's always gold something i'd like to go and do myself yeah I admit that something like this does appeal to me although it doesn't sound that well but <laughs> but um yeah it'd be cool i think it'd be cool to do it with like a good mate or something eh? Mm. Well, I think that's a lot of when we did this length of the south island epic camp when we did the length of new zealand camp um that was like ticking off a really big challenge and we weren't racing every day um, but what probably appeals to me more with this one is your off-road for long sections so it's yeah it's the highlight of scenery throughout New Zealand and I've done sections of the the, the, the route that John did like when they went down the west coast they're basically doing all the the biking trails that are down the west coast of the South Island and I've done a couple of those and they would it'd just be it, it wouldn't get too samey, but my God, you'd just have day after day of just the most amazing scenery. Would it so. be samey? I don't think it would, because New Zealand is a bit diverse. Mm. And like, it's, it's all New Zealand, you kind of know the country you're in, but it does change. Yeah, it would just be awesome. So just now they go from top to bottom? Yeah, that's definitely the way I'd want to do it. Why? Uh, well, he did get screwed over with the weather. But you're usually more likely to have sort of favourable um, winds than oh, going, going north to south. Yeah, okay. obviously it, New Zealand weather patterns change a lot, and he got screwed. If you get southerlies on the on the west coast of New, the South Island, you have headwind, rain, and it's going to be horrendous. Uh, actually, that's wrong. No, it's the other way around. So yeah, I think normally slightly better chance of getting less headwind. Because I was telling you when I was in Hamner with Joe at the beginning of this year, just a few days away, and we met that guy who was walking the length of New Zealand. Mm. And I think it was like a three-month journey. Yeah, that doesn't appeal to me. Uh, solo journey, mm. you know. It does appeal to me. I don't know if I'll ever do it. Something like this does. Mm. You know, like if you could take a month off and, you know, good mate, I'd need to train and get my mm. bike skills up because I'm not that good on a mountain bike. Because the other thing is if you get tired carrying the bike. I don't, that, that mountain bike, oh, we just did one over on the West Coast. Um, yeah, a few weeks ago. With a few, uh, back at Christmas time. And yeah. Carrying a pack was hard. They don't carry packs on this. It's all um, mounted on your frame. But that adds, makes it significantly harder. Yeah, far out, yeah. So you can check out the book. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's called A Biker's Tale. It's Tor Aotearoa, A Biker's Tale by John Hellevins. And any Kiwis, if you're listening, this would be a really good present. Anybody who's remotely interested in sport, it's not a triathletes book or anything like that. And, and it's cool because basically each day, each chapter is just a day. And they're very short chapters. It's kind of just the highlights and the bits of the day. But lots of photos. It's, you know, like it's, it's a really good kind of history of his experience. <laughs> uh, Jonbo, we've got another interview coming up. We've got a new sponsor by Beam. It's a sports nutrition. Well, no, it's actually just a nutrition company that focuses on four areas and, and interviews with Kevin Moran. So here he is right now. Okay, team. Uh, today we are talking to Kevin Moran. He is one of the founders of Beam, who you're going to talk. Uh, we're going to hear a lot from in later on today's show. He's a fit guy, and he's involved in our world of Ironman. So we thought we would have a little bit of a chat about that, and a little bit how the, this company was founded. Uh, Beam creates the highest quality functioning supplements for better balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. So, Kevin, welcome along to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I appreciate you having me. 
Um, tell us a bit about your background because uh, I think you were involved in several other sports before you ventured into the world of Ironman and I know you and your co-founder have um, done all sorts of crazy challenges. So give us, give us a bit of background and where you're from. Yeah, totally. Um, Ironman was actually like kind of the, uh, <laughs> I hate to say that, at the end of my sports journey, if you will. I mean, obviously I'll continue with it, but it came after playing organized sports for a bunch of years. So I, um, I grew up playing uh, golf, baseball, basketball, hockey, all sorts of sports. And I ended up uh, <clears throat> getting a little bit better at baseball when I was in high school and I got recruited by Boston College and I ended up uh, playing baseball there for three years. I got drafted my junior year um, by the Chicago White Sox and ended up playing with them for about three or four years. I was a closing pitcher. I had millions of injuries. I, I had Tommy John surgery, which is a really famous elbow surgery that many pitchers have. And then I blew out both of my knees. Um, one, yeah, it was, uh, one was just kind of a freak accident. The other I did at the gym. And then I tore my rotator cuff in my labrum and my shoulder. Uh, so that was kind of the final straw. <clears throat> I, I decided to stop playing. Just somebody was telling me it was time at that point. Um, so of course, uh, when you blow out your knees and your shoulders and all those things, you start getting into cycling and running and, uh, all that crazy stuff. And my, uh, my wife's dad, my father-in-law, uh, I guess is, he wasn't at the time, but she was my girlfriend, but my father-in-law, I saw playing baseball, gave me a bike or bought me a bike and said, I think you're really going to like this. You should give this, give this a go. And ever since then I was hooked. Just, just what's it like being, you know, cause you, when you're a professional athlete in an American sport, it's pretty high performance, high level kind of stuff. Then to kind of be taken away from that world, what's that moment like? Because obviously all your dreams, your ambition, the frustration around injury, yeah. um, it must have been quite a challenging time for you post that moment. Yeah, it was. I always, I talk, I, I liken a lot to being an entrepreneur and you know, starting a company. It's it, every day kind of feels like that. You have to persevere through some hurdle. I think, you know, gosh, I was only 21, 22 at the time, I think. And it gave me a lot of good perspective at a young age. Of course, you know, things get taken a lot, you know, more difficult things get taken away from people every day. But for me, that was what my life was really focused on for the, you know, the last seven, eight years or so since the beginning of college and to have it kind of taken away from, you know, from my perspective, from no fault of my own, just showed me that, you know, sometimes life is difficult and you, know, you have to pick yourself back up and reinvent yourself. And it's probably one of the things I'm most grateful for in my life today was that experience because it's, it's taught me, I think, how to be a great entrepreneur at times. And, and how close did you get to actually making the major league or did you make it? Because for, for non-American listeners, um, White Sox are obviously, you know, one of the big, big baseball teams, but I know they've probably got a lot of players on their, their roster, but how yeah, close yeah. did you get to actually making the, the big league? I, I was in high A um, my last year and I just couldn't, um, you know, I, I only played, I think one full season. And then I just, yeah. there's parts of all the other years I was, stopped i mean I, I had to stop to rehab um yeah. so hi yeah it was a it was an interesting experience like i said coming out of <clears throat> from college being a relatively highly regarded draft pick and um never having any injuries i was i definitely thought that there was gonna be a different path for me but like i said i i really wouldn't change a single thing about it it gave me really good perspective and i, I certainly wouldn't be where i am today Without One thing they talk about with, sport, with, with top end athletes nowadays is it's a there's a lot of kind of mental health struggles around it, and, and one of the reasons is it's just such an insecure life. Uh, did it feel like that when you were in it? Yeah, it did. 
um, it did. And it was, it's harder than you, you might think too. I mean, in these different, you know, people have a, a vision of it. They think of, you know, the top five, you know, professional athletes yeah, in terms yeah. of their, their sports. You know, you have the LeBron James or the, you know, I don't know, Bryce Harper in, in major league baseball. And everyone thinks that everyone <laughs> that they, each player lives that exact same lifestyle. It's, it's hard. It's a grind. It's a, what have you done lately? What have you done for me lately type of business? And yeah. there's a lot of pressure and, you know, injuries come and, you know, when you're not playing, you're not performing and you're not getting much attention and the game just moves really, really quickly. I mean, it's, it's a business like anything else in life. Um, they're for-profit companies. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard mentally. It, it really is. And it's, I've, I've drawn a lot of comparisons candidly. And this is, this is an exciting conversation to our journey at beam and um, <clears throat> my experience as an entrepreneur and also my experience with baseball and also doing Ironman. So three of those things kind of together are very, uh, they all kind of are cut from the same cloth and in, in, in terms of perseverance and get, just doing hard things. And, and how does Ironman training, you know, maybe give us a bit of a background in terms of uh, what you've done with Ironman so far and, and maybe contrast how you train for an Ironman compared to say baseball. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea what the hell I was doing when I first got into it. I mean, I'm, I'm six, four, um, I was probably two twenty at the time. I was built like a, like a paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Not, not necessarily. I sank the first time I got in the pool. Um, uh, so I just, I just went into it kind of like a little bit harder than I, I probably should have initially. I think I stopped playing in gosh, like maybe March. And then I think Brooks dad got me the bike in let's just say April. And I think I did an Olympic distance. Uh, triathlon in like June and I had never done any long distance swimming or any biking or running really for that matter. Um, and then I did a half Ironman that, that fall in Austin. Um, so I just kind of went into a trial by fire. I had a couple of those experiences, which, you know, part of that experience led to our hydration product elevate, but a couple of experiences where you're just like fully bonked out, like legs can't move. I was about to die on a run. Uh, so I definitely had a trial by fire. And then when I, I ended up moving to Austin, Texas for a number of years, and uh, I hired a couple of different coaches down there and they, they, you know, helped me kind of get my, get my act together. And I probably did, I don't know, maybe six or seven half distance Ironmans and then two full Ironmans and got really, really into it. Um, I guess I'll, I'll stop there for now. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Um, and so how did this, you, you sort of mentioned beam a few times. Um, how did this sort of transition go from being, you know, an athlete, uh, in, in terms of your baseball side of things and then moving into, you know, uh, long distance stuff and, and where and why did you have this idea to, to set up beam? Yeah. And that's a loaded question. There's a, a lot there. Um, <laughs> So when I stopped, I stopped playing, I ended up moving, like I said, to Austin. I worked for a big software company for a bunch of years. Um, but I just, I just had that, like, it just, the, the working world wasn't quite doing it for me. Like I needed that challenge. And, you know, you guys are very familiar with, I spent a lot of time explaining like why someone would want to do an Ironman. It's interesting with you and your audience. Yeah. You guys totally get it. Yeah. Um, I just had a, I just had a need for something like that. You know, doing, I think, Generally speaking, it, it sounds a little bit morbid, but I don't think, I think people need to put themselves in a little bit more physical pain in terms of like, you know, running and biking, not, you know, actual pain, but just like some more hard things on a daily basis. Um, so I've always kind of felt that and I just, I just kind of fell in love with it. And um, I ended up moving back to Boston with my wife and 
um, I was training for the 2018 Boston Marathon and the CBD space was, you know, it's becoming more mainstream, but still in a lot of ways misunderstood. So, you know, three, four years ago now, this stuff was very much in the stone age. Mm. Um, and I had my, you know, kind of my own experiences with them from an efficacy perspective, how they made me feel when I tried some different products and was confused by some, uh, didn't really get what I was supposed to be feeling. So, you know, that was, you know, kind of had a, a light bulb go off in my head from that perspective. And then I started talking to, you know, a lot of athletes that were in my network through baseball and my, my co-founder, Matt is a former professional hockey player. Uh, and they had no idea what it was. They thought they were going to fail a drug test. <laughs> they wanted to stay away from it. They didn't understand the medical application to it, you know, how it could actually help them perform better. So that was, you know, a light bulb, another light bulb went off from that perspective. And then <clears throat> lastly, started looking at the brands in the space and they were all very medical kind of apothecary focused. They weren't, they didn't really connect around the values that we thought beam could bring to the world with honesty, transparency, and compassion. In, in kind of a gray space. So that was a precipice of it. And I was, I was working full time and <clears throat> so was Matt. And we just kind of launched it out of the trunk of our cars, hustling for a few months and got some, some traction and some product market fit. And it just became pretty clear that we were onto something. And then we just kind of continued to invest in the, the brand and kind of grow, grow from there. And the last handful of years or, or a few years have just been absolutely insane with some of the athletes and partnerships and, those types of things I can get into, but I'll, I'll stop there on that one too. So, so tell us a bit about your range. Yeah, you talked a bit about the CBD products there, um, but maybe <clears> just give us a, a bit of a product overview on, on what you guys offer. Yeah, so we, we, we group our products into four categories, balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. Uh, for us, those were born out of the pain points that our, our products were solving for our customers when we talked to them and <clears throat> engaged with them and surveyed them. So, we have, you know, a topical oil, we have uh, a topical lotion, ingestible oil, we have products in the sleep category, um, obviously in the energy category with um, some of our Elevate Hydration products that have beetroot powder, citrulline, caffeine. Um, <clears throat> long story short, all of our products and all of our innovation ladder up to those four categories that I mentioned. So we'll continue to kind of innovate and, and build in those four categories, if you will, from now and, and moving forward. And you mentioned earlier on about, you know, when you went to the, the baseball or the basketball community and, and reached out to people, there was a bit of confusion. Hey, I'm going to fail a drugs test here and not really quite sure. So I guess those concerns are probably valid in the triathlon community as well going because in age group racing, uh, let alone professional, there, oh, really? is, there is some testing out there. And the last thing you want to be mm -hmm. doing is, uh, is failing a drugs test. So maybe just maybe share some concerns that you know, um, athletes may have out there with regards to especially your, your CBD products? Yeah. I mean, it, it's important to work with reputable brands and, you know, we struggled with this very early on because when you start, you know, no one trusts you and doesn't know who you are. So we invested very early on in a robust uh, testing chain where we test all of our products at three different independent labs. We publish all the lab results on our website um, because we knew that we wanted to, you know, work with professional athletes, that there was an application in the active lifestyle kind of community and that no one was really tapping into it. So we knew that we had to kind of initially have these, I guess, crazy standards um, <clears throat> at the beginning, just to make sure that we were, we got our foot in the door. And if you look at a lot of other supplement companies out there, whether they're NSF approved or not, which I'm kind of getting into that too, if you'd like, but 
you know, they don't go through nearly the testing procedures that we do today. And our product comes from a plant leaves and <laughs> stems of a plant. So um, <clears throat> that helped us kind of build legitimacy in the community. And then we started, we got some connections with some great athletes. You know, Matt Frazier was one of our, our first, our biggest, he's the um, five time fittest man in the world, CrossFit games athlete and TA Claire Toomey as well. And, you know, we sat, we sat down with them and explained the product. We walked them through our protocols. Their agent actually <laughs> um, took quite a bit of beam for a couple of months just to, you know, make sure we put our money where our mouth was. And then he got drug tested and uh, all was good from there. And then, you know, once we kind of got Matt on board, it was, uh, you know, that, you know, CrossFit's a very heavily drug tested space. Um, so that kind of built some legitimacy in the space. And then we started working with athletes like, you know, Danica's now retired, Danica Patrick, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, Billy Horschel on the PGA tour, who actually just won yesterday, the Dell match play. Nice. Congrats to Billy. So yeah, that, that, that helps very early on, but I, I'll just, give, you know, one word to the, to your customers is to, to look at, at the brands in this space that you're working with, um, because it is very confusing. So it's important to do your diligence and talk to the brand and, and ask any questions you have. The, the question I uh, probably thought for, uh, for people listening to this is if they go to your website, what would be your advice on about how to start working with your products? It depends on what you're trying to solve for, honestly. Um, yeah, the majority of people that we are hearing from are wanting to, to solve for better sleep in one way, shape, or form, whether it's they're not actually sleeping well, period, or not being able to fall asleep, or, you know, just want to sleep deeper and better. So um, <clears throat> our sleep category has been uh, definitely a fan favorite, but if you're looking for something for some energy to replace coffee in the morning or with an electrolyte hydration stack to bring on your run or your ride with you, um, <clears throat> our our Elevate Hydration, uh, the energy category product uh, is, is a great, would be a great place to go. Our topical lotions are awesome for sore muscles, aches and pains, joints. Um, it really just depends on what you're trying to solve for. I think that's a lot of our goal is to have products for any form factor or any, any point in the day. So um, I like the way you guys have really defined those four that. segments. You know, you've really gone in and said, okay, yeah. well, here's the different areas. So you can go to the website, kind of say, well, you know, I am lacking sleep or I need more energy or recovery or whatever. And, um, you know, you can kind of move towards that direction of the site and kind of find the solutions for yourself there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I haven't done an Ironman in a, in a couple of years now, two, three years now, but I still do a lot of running and riding and I, I'm, I'm constantly taking our, our elevate our hydration stacked products with us on my runs and rides and I take our sleep product every night before I go to sleep, uh, our dream powder. I also take Revive, our capsule, which is an anti-inflammatory antioxidant capsule with turmeric, white willow bark, black pepper, um, and our nano CBD. So honestly, like, you know, it's, it really just depends on what you're trying to solve for, but there are a lot of good options. Brilliant. Awesome, Kevin. Guys, we'll have all the plugs uh, a little bit later in the show in terms of promo codes and where you can go, but check out beamtlc.com uh, and we'll have a little bit more later in the show. So, Kevin, all the best and we hope to see you back in the Ironman space uh, competing you, you know you want to. soon. You know you want to. Oh, you know, I, I, I want to go back. I just uh, I just sent to my wife. She actually, we did, uh, what did we do? Lake Placid, I think in 2015 and then Mont Blanc uh, in 2016, which were they were, uh, or yeah, 2016 was the year. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure there's somebody that's listening to this that did that with me. That was a, um, there was like two and a half inches of rain. It was absolutely insane. Nice. Uh, I've never ridden or run in rain that hard <laughs> in my life. It was ridiculous for like six hours. Um, Those are the ones you remember. But yeah, I, 
Oh my gosh. Do you, you guys, you know the one I'm talking about off the top of my head or do you I've, not? I've seen, not I, I do remember that one vaguely. It's a few years ago, but I do vaguely remember oh, that one. It was awful. So that was, and then I ran the, the 2018 Boston Marathon, which I'm not sure if you remember that one, but that was also like yeah, 35 degrees yeah. and pouring, pouring, horrible rain. Um, so I'm due for, for a good easy one. I think I want to do, I think I need to sign up for like Florida or Arizona, just flat and warm and easy. Yeah. And, or, and not easy, but you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks so much for your time and all the best with things. Keep up the good work, mate. You, you got it, guys. Thank you. Jumbo, your thoughts? Looks good, if you, especially if you're somebody struggling with sleep. Um, I would strongly recommend you have a look at Do this. You? No, I don't, thankfully. The same, um, man. I'm so lucky. It's occasionally, occasionally I can wake up early, mm. and once I'm awake, I'm awake. Yeah. No, it was 4.36 for me this morning. Yeah. So I, was, I was up with it. Um, so you know what? I've started not putting my phone in my bedroom. Um, I'm following you on that one. I've, actually, I've told Belinda's actually got a clock on order for me. I said I want i got a vibration clock. Yeah, little one. It's like this, and it vibrates because I didn't want to. Do you want a ticker? Well, no, more because I don't want to wake Joe up mm. as much as I possibly can keep it. So I bought this little off Amazon. I bought it's just it's like this big. I have to put it on a on a um, on a t shirt because because yeah. <laughs> <'cause, laughs> the first few times, um, but it's really good because even because you know I'm pretty good. I'm, I would say I'm okay with my phone. I think we all have problems with phones I'm nowadays. Trying hard to start disconnecting. Yeah. So one thing we've done is I don't have the phone in the lounge at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken it out of my bedroom. I allow two nights a week. So mm. Friday's my day off, so I'll take mm. it for, and I like Sunday, to watch it. Friday. Sunday, Friday. So on Thursday night I'll watch it. And I said, then I'll have my phone in the bedroom because I'll, you know, I'll watch some league or something like that as I go to bed. But five nights a week, I can't have the phone in the bedroom. Mm. Um, and it, it's definitely working, you know, mm. like, because at first you kind of woke up and you said, and, and again, I sleep well, but you just did that thing of, oh, I'll, just, I'll just check the phone or, you know, and I've just got that habit out of it. It's, mm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's a real effort for us to not be addicted to our phone, isn't totally. it? Totally. The problem is you you need things on there, which I just want to get rid of it. Like, I need that Well, there, there. there is a good tool at times, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like, I uh, need that email, but I don't really want emails on my phone. Yeah. And I need, yeah, communication for camps and, yeah, I'm making excuses. Well, it's um, that thing of what's, you know, it's that kind of, like, when you think about emails, how many emails really have to be responded to in the next 10 mm. minutes? You know, like, most emails can wait a period of time. And it's also, you know, it's, yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's a, big, it's a big thing, but definitely I've... Maybe we can have a, a six-monthly update. Bevan and John's phone disconnection updates. Yeah, well, it's, it's that whole presence thing, isn't it? It's just amazing because like, not having it in the in the lounge at night. So one thing I'm, you know, so I just leave it in the kitchen. And then when I clean up dinner, I'll put my podcast on or listen. And I might just, mm. you know, check a couple of things in. And then I put it in my office. Then mm. I go downstairs. And in lounge at night, we'll watch TV, Joe and I. And Joe will often just jump up and grab something and come back in. And the default is just to grab the phone. You know, and you just jump on the same website you jump on all the time. Mm. So recently what I've done is you, 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 you're a bit lost. Mm. Suddenly you've got to just be still for a moment. And so we're lucky with a good view. So I just kind of take a moment and just enjoy the view. But mm. um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a problem most of us have, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's back, go back to, the back to the sponsor. If you want to check out uh, and get good sleep, uh, go to beamtlc.com. It's only available in North America. Use the promo code IMTALK for a discount and check, check, check them out. And remember, it's not just good sleep. They've got supplements for those four areas that we're talking about in the interview. So there's Beam. Beam? What is it? Beam? TLC. TLC, but a TLC in your life. Okay, let's go. Winger of the week. Letting you back in this week, Bevan. Okay, I'm okay, letting you back in. Number. Yeah. I've been watching this good documentary on Netflix. What are you, what are you looking at? Well, I can't remember if it's the same guy as last week. It was Stephen Dornick. 
Swam 17 hours and 32 minutes. I think it's got a watch problem. Yeah, I can't go back to the week before. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I interrupted. Um, I'm just trying to find Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's number. How to spell Kareem? K- With a K. R- Kareem? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is that his last name? Something like that. Okay. I'm sure it'll come up if you did that. <laughs> the way I spelt it. Yeah. <laughs> the other guy. No, there's no <laughs> What was his number? Okay, you keep talking. Tell me, tell me, tell me what you're up to today, Joe. Well, I'm just checking through Stephen Dornick's details and I'm trying to find if he did have a really long swim in there somewhere, but I'm failing so far. So uh, I shall, what's the date today? It's a six. So I'll go for number six. Okay, there you go. Go for six. Six. Jared. Picun, he did 24 hours and 43 minutes. Uh, he did 4 hours, 49 minutes swimming, 12 hours and 9 minutes of cycling, and 7 hours and 44 minutes of running. And he's a Summit member on Strava, which means you've got a paid subscription on there. And Here we go, I've got a new one. Yep. 33. That was Kareem Abdul. I'm watching this great documentary, the Boston Celtics versus the LA Lakers. You should watch it. It's on, um, it's on Channel 1. They've got some good right. sport docos. Porno recommended it to me, and yep. I'm kind of this. It's quite long. It's three docos, and it's yep. probably about five hours of content. Um, great doco. So Jordan was 32, wasn't he? And he's 33. No, Jordan was 23, wasn't he? Oh, 23. I knew it was two and a three. Yeah, yep. and I think Johnson was Mitch Johnson. He was 32. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was 33. So we're gonna go 33. Oh, I'm just gonna. I'm on Jared picking it. Okay, I'll, you do that first. one. I'll pull up 33. Jared, I'm a Colorado native. I create, shoot, and edit. Cert- uh, create, shoot, and edit. Certified endurance junkie. I swim bike and run and he's got lots of pictures of him down there he's looking good so nice work jared you did a pr on the alp de zwift start to bend 21 which was four minutes and 56 minutes and he did a pr on the epic kom and the volcano kom uh, so i'm guessing that jared did the tour de zwift or the tour de watopia last week because it was racing on there all week and he was obviously trying to smash it on there well i got paul i got paul doney doney uh, he's from Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. He's been peaking pretty recently. He had a pretty big march. He kind of took November off and has been building back up. And in March, he had a pretty massive week. I don't really have a lot about him because I haven't got much details around him. But if we look at his runtime 22 minutes of swimming last week, Paul, going crazy. Yeah, going cray cray. Uh, I know in, in a lot of places, the pools aren't open. So. Yep. Nice yep. work. Now, if you want to make the top 100, or so. You want to make the top 100 on our leaderboard. What did you have to do last week? You had to do 100th place was 12 hours and 44 minutes of training. Oh, there we go. So that's what you got to do. So those two people are our wingers of, of the week. week. Questions and answers. answers. We've got a couple of emails here. So first of all, Skip Slade, uh, the bone crusher, uh, sent through an email just talking about what we were talking about last week. And he said, I heard you respond to the question about the moment where things are dark during a race. You were speaking about affirmations and... Uh, you had them in, uh, in the form of questions. This is a brilliant and sometimes, well, he's a coach himself, Skippers. This is brilliant and something we teach our athletes as a part of their toolbox for their mental game. We work on many with many newbies, beginners and those who lack confidence in themselves at some level. We teach them to use affirmation questions as one way to approach something instead of affirmation statements. The subconscious and conscious can answer a statement in a negative, but a question uh, but a question that uh, you do not give an answer to can cause the mind to try to work out the best way. So for example, instead of saying, I am strong, we want them to say, what if I am stronger than I think? They are to repeat that question over and over, but not to answer it. They are, uh, if they are uncomfortable, 
uh, triathlon or not, they can ask, what if there is nothing wrong? Or uh, what if this is the, uh, the what if this is the way it's supposed to feel? We teach them to practice these questions for two minutes before bed. Have two or three of them, and then shouldn't answer them, but instead repeat them over again in their mind, and their mind will start to come up with the answers. Come race day, they should feel those affirmation questions well rehearsed and available. Just one tool that some really like. As an aside, my wife is. Oh, yep, there you go. So there we go. So yeah. So just the, the idea of using questions to help us be. Direct focus is probably the key thing here for me is you've just got to practice whatever method you use. You've just got to practice, practice, practice and training. And then you've got to <clears throat> recognize when you've done something really well in a training session. If you've over, you know, say you've done, I don't know, a 5K time trial or you've done a whatever session it might be. And if you've done a really good job mentally, you've been strong through there or you've felt rubbish and you've managed to box your way through, you've got to document what you did and what worked for you because there's so many different um, tools you can use that work for, you know, for different people. But you've got to document it going, that worked really well. I've got to keep practicing that. So two things on this. Skip actually sent me another email just saying what you can do is the third person. So you could say, what if Skip was stronger than he thinks? So mm. that kind of outside perspective. The thing I think is really interesting, I was talking to my runners about this the other morning because one thing I find frustrating with my runners is not many of them are doing a race plan. Mm. You know, and it's like, and I said to them, you guys will train for, I'm not quite sure, maybe 40 hours for this race. Mm. You know, over a whole lot of time. You put all this effort in, and, and they've trained really hard, mm. and you're not going to do 30 minutes of work for a race plan. Mm. You know, and a race plan is such a key ingredient for success, and it's that thing of, you know, John saying, you know, learn your techniques and practice your techniques, and it's that so many people are so good at training and neglect the things that actually also help you have a better mm. performance. And for, for an athlete to perform, spending some time on your mental skills and actually devoting time mm. to practice your mental skills is such an important part for you to deliver on race day. Like race planning, like, you know, what are those things in your training that, you know, if you're just a person who loves getting out and training but you don't do the small other things, how do you become better at investing in those? Because if you put a race plan in place, Chances of success go massively through the roof, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, I had I actually went through a race planning process with all the juniors um, when we were up in New Plymouth a couple oh, of nice. weeks ago, and a couple of parents stuffed. There was a grandmother up there, and she just thought this was like mind blowing. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's not that complicated. But anyway, but one of the kids didn't race that well. Um, but his goal on his his race planning document was to have a good run. And thankfully, he had a good run. The rest yep. of it was a bit rubbish. He goes, oh, that's actually really good. I had a really good run. Yeah. The place, overall placing wasn't that great, but he worked on this, this, and this and, and didn't get stitched for a change. Uh, so, yeah, having a race plan can really help post-race as well uh, help to identify the areas that you did actually really yeah. want to work on rather than looking at the whole package. Well, that's in another area, isn't it? Like in my book I've written is uh, they kind of achieve a goal and then you know celebrate, reflect, and learn. And it's that, that reflection moment is the thing people don't do. Mm. You know, the after race, you send them through our you know, post-race document. Can you please fill this out so we get an understanding? Yeah. And they'll get around to doing it. Yeah. You've done bloody 50 hours training for this race. Yeah. It's going to take you half an hour to do this. It's going to give you so much education and tools to learn move forward with. Do the work, you schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, Good old Tim Hemming. He got to go down and watch Super League, lucky bugger. And he was he, pretty, he said it was pretty amazing. Yeah, he said the data stuff was really cool. Some of the stuff you didn't necessarily see uh, on the screen. He said they were tracking heart rate, um, which was really interesting for him because he looked Looked at Beth Potter's uh, heart rate, went down from 174 all the way down to 135 fitness, between races versus Ruth Astle, who she was either coming last or close to it. She's an Iron Woman, um, we've had her on the show before. So she only went from 161 down to 152, so not recovering quite as much. So I think that is really going to be interesting for us viewers going forward. 
what I hope though is is kind of this doesn't become a coaching tool during the races so then the the coach can tell you you know how hard the other athletes gone and and so on hopefully they'll, they'll they must have limits on that because all sports have now you know all sports they'll interview other coaches or they'll see you know if you're watching tv you probably get a bit of insight that could help the competition so mm. there must be some limits yeah so i don't know what whether athletes can have interaction with um he also said the, uh, the power stuff's pretty interesting. Uh, there's a lot in this, uh, but the one thing that is the visually impaired athletes can also race solo. Other than lead between the disciplines, they don't need a guide. That's potentially huge and means that they can also compete in par with able-bodied athletes, which is really true. Also, in the para side, having a look at Ajitsi Platt, a para tri-gold medalist from Rio, the guy put out 300 watts for 15 and a half minutes with his arms. So to put that in perspective for people that don't know anything about power, if I'm to do a 20-minute time trial on my bike... I Which is you blitzing yourself. Blitzing it. Uh, I think my best is 335 watts for... He's doing this with his arms. And he's basically doing 300 watts with his arms, which is kind he of mind-blowing. He finishes 300 swim, 10K hand, hand bike, and then 2K wheelchair, wheelchair push in 19 minutes way ahead of anyone else. And he's got, where can Super League go? Do you want to respond to him? Yeah, so he's just sort of wondering where this is going to head to because in Paris 2024, they're going to have an e-sports as a demonstration sport. Uh, and then, you know, but come 2028, who knows where we might be. Um, but I definitely think this has got scope to to go towards the Olympics. Um, it's a future of sport. Like Chris Kins, uh, the... Uh, Infamous New Zealand cricket player. He's kind of, he's a, but if you if you do some research, because recently I thought, what's Chris Kins doing now? He's got to ruin his life. Um, and he's got a company. He's trying to start his company, which is using um, AR in sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, so basically, the spectators can experience it in a much different way. So, like instead of mm -hmm. just watching a game of chess, you go in and it's, you're in another world, and this mm -hmm. game of chess happening, and so on. Um, you know, and it's just one example of what's going to happen. Obviously, as with, you know. In 20 years from now, something like the Olympics, I imagine what Super League did there mm. potentially will be a big part of the Olympics. And in, in, in not all sports, but in a lot of sports. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's so. kind of the future, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I say, I went back to I don't think it's really gimmicky at all. You know, it's a slightly, it's diff slightly different skill set, but it's not gimmicky. You're still... Yeah, they've still got to do the yards, don't mm. they? I just I went back to Tim and said it's going to be awesome with the crowds. And he was like, yep, yeah, uh, you get a crowd in there, mm. it's going to go off. So, mm. yeah, I'd go, like I was doing town this weekend, mm. I'll be buying a ticket. Mm. Yeah, so good stuff. Okay, John, let's go to our patrons. In a three-a-pod... Demolopos. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to say Morton uh, Triple B Labatch. And Grant the Spy Petrie. Uh, John, our sponsor? Beam. Check out beamtlc.com. Beam creates highest quality functional supplements for better balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. Only available to our North American listeners. And you use the promo code IMTALK for get a nice little discount. If you want to get show emailed to you, go www.imtalk.me. If you want to be a patron, thank you to all those people who are patrons. You guys rock. Uh, coaching coachjohnnewson.com my podcast I released one yesterday uh, I, I did a piece on I did quite a few pieces but one piece was on how to find your mojo when you're coming back to exercise so if you're in that place you want to check that out uh, age group of the week cool websites other than you can just email imtalkpodcast.gmail.com I've got to give you the voice recorder apparently you do I'll put a little reminder remember yeah. give John the voice recorder give because John. I'm going off on Epic Camp in two days time Epic Camp Mini on top of the South Island and hopefully 
Uh, it's going to be a bit full on with the old support crew. There's only three of us, um, but I want to try to get Who's the support interviews. crew? We've got Kylie, the hot chick. Yeah, Colonel. Yeah, Kylie on the Kirk. Kylie the Colonel Cox, and we haven't got a nickname for Gail Harvey Haywood. Oh, she's going to be the support she's crew. She's going to be support crew, and yours truly. Oh, well, it'll be good fun. It's yeah. going to be good times. We're heading up to a place called Nelson, which is the top of the South Island, and then we're going to be heading. Uh, through to Kaiteri where I was over the weekend and then heading over a big hill, Taka Hill, which is uh, about a 15k climb depending on which one side's about 9, one side's about 15k uh, and hopefully we have some nice weather over there and go to some cool swim locations, very much the end of our, or, you know, going into autumn over here, so a bit of cool weather swimming and then we sort of loop back around We've got a massive day one day, we're going to be doing 180k's on the bike um, with a 9k climb early on and then a lot of other climbing for the rest of the day so it's going to be that's going to be a testing day for the athletes mm, good time sounds like a rock and roll what's your goss John? what's my goss been in Kaiteri for a few days and that was fantastic weather was pretty good disappointing easter egg hunt yesterday we thought more fm which is a radio station new zealand said right we're going to do an easter egg hunt on uh in Kaiteri. oh like, great this is gonna be cool the kids will go off and they have to go try to find things yep and they just partitioned an area off on the beach and put sticks in the in the in there, and you just had to go and get a stick and hand it in. You got an Easter egg. I'm like, that's not an Easter egg hunt. It's like take a stick and go and get an Easter egg. Up? A lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did the kids get many Easter eggs? We well, only allowed one, so again, it wasn't really a hunt. It was like go uh. pick up a stick and you get a free Easter egg. Yeah, it's a bit poor. Uh, other than that, I was happy to jump in for a swim in the sea without a wetsuit on. It was beautiful, clear, fantastic water. So overall, it was all good. I had a lot of food. And I think you got a problem, John. I admit, my name's John. <laughs> I've got an eating problem. <laughs> Lucky you exercise like a beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How much? Here's a here's a really honest question. How much is it your exercise motivated by the eating? Um, not a, not a great deal, okay. but it certainly because a lot of people you know, it, it just when I'm eating, I guess I can, can justify, justify it. it that way. But I don't train so I can eat. It's more the other way. I probably eat and I think in the back of my mind I can kind of get away with this because I'm going to do training yeah. whereas at the moment I'm kind of on a bit of a break so I'm not really getting away with it <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh, that was my weekend and yeah watch the Crusaders lose rugby oh that was horrible game which is that which oh, we is put a bet on team. it sorry did you oh well it was like 14 and over or 13 and over was paying dollar forty. no brainer yeah. it's like Manchester City losing in the Premier League doesn't happen very often very often at all uh, but we didn't even lose. We got, they downshot us. They, yeah. they, they were hopeless. Mm. So that was a bit disappointing. Devin, what's happening in your world? Well, John, last review, last week, John came around and I was like, oh, my shoulder. And I was, my shoulder, I was like, I've just, I'm going back to work next week and I'm going to have to say, I can't go back to work. I need another operation. Like, mm. I was in agony. I was in so much pain. I couldn't sleep at night. Two days later, <laughs> not a problem at all. Not a problem. It's weird when you get injuries like that, eh? Mm. Like, seriously, I was like, I was like, babe, I'm going to go to the hospital. Like, it was kind of that bad. Mm. And then the next day, I was a little bit better. I was like, oh. And then by Thursday, or like two or three days later, wouldn't even know I'd had a problem. A little nerve impingement or something it like must that. must have been, yeah. Because, like, I couldn't even do a plank. Like, I mm. couldn't even go on the ground, put my hands on the ground. Like, I was in agony. And then, so that was a bit weird. Uh, Easter, uh, I definitely did some training to catch up on some eating. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I went a bit cray-cray on the food. Uh, what's your favourite Easter egg? Uh, just, like, some high-quality... Chocolate. I like the lint bunny. Mm. Yep, lint bunny. The lint bunny's pretty good. Yep. I do like I do like creamy. Mm. Yeah, so I had a few a few Easter eggs. I'm oh. gonna I'm 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 gonna be a, a pioneer, John. 
Oh. I'm going to be like um, um, Edmund Hillary. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, uh, who's the guy who just got to America? Oh, he's got a bad reputation. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a bad reputation. Uh, I'm going to be like, who's, who's another? Who's the guy who went down? Amelia Earhart. Yep. And who's the guy who went down and did the South Pole first? Uh, was it Amundsen or was it Scott? Scott, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be like, because I'm going to Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, going crazy. <laughs> I'm going because uh, today in New Zealand, good old Jacinda, Jared's favourite person, is going mm-hmm. to be announcing that Australian border with New Zealand is opening up. Now, you think she's going to yeah, Well, if they don't, I think there's a bad political move <laughs> if they don't because the whole country is really Political suicide. <laughs> uh, and so we, 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 will you go? No. Why not? Because I've booked a holiday to Fiji no. already. Oh, have you? But no, I wouldn't go either. But until you get a vaccine? Well, just, yeah, you've got another reason to go, but yeah. no. So my daughter lives in Cairns, so we're going to be heading off in about two or three weeks from now. We're going to book our flights today, get in early. So for non-Kiwis, basically, we, we haven't been able to travel anywhere without a mandatory quarantine on return. And uh, it costs you like 5000 bucks. Yep. So it means now we can travel maybe to Australia and then maybe to the islands. So you've booked your Fiji flight? Yeah, but it's, it's any dates. We haven't booked flights, but we've booked a holiday. Oh, any dates? Yeah, so it's open-ended. Did you get it cheap? Yeah, man, I got a great deal. <laughs> John Yusemone oh, gets killer. cheap. <laughs> food's included as well. How long, oh, that's because I've never done the islands, but they say food's the thing that kills you. Yeah, no, food was included. Oh. Yeah. How long are you going to go for? Just you and the wife or the kids go too? Not taking the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Five days, I think it is. Five nights? Five nights. So it'll be like... Six six days something like that. Yes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for about five days. I'm looking forward to it. Great. And then Joe doesn't want to go to Australia until we got vaccines, but we'll go later in the year. We'll mm. go probably October, November. Mm. So being on the vaccine, I say, hurry up, vaccine. Mm. Anyway, John, that's me for today. I'm I'm gonna go pioneer other parts of the world. Great. You know, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Enoch. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. <laughs>